Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, augmented and virtual reality. If you look at Goldman Sachs's forecast for the augmented reality space and the smart glasses space, they're predicting that by 2025, it will overtake the television market. So we will spend more money as a hum human race buying smart glasses than we do on televisions. Artificial and virtual reality holds the potential for job creation, job replacement, but overall is a trend that will shape both government and commerce for years to come. Our next guest is Michael McCormick. He's CEO of Aeolian VR. Michael, we're really glad to have you. <laughs> Very interesting company name. Is it a made-up word? <laughs> Actually, no. Beyond, uh, Besides being the hardest word to pronounce in most of the brands that I'm talking to, the word Aeolian actually means a formation that's created during a sandstorm. When you're in the desert and these giant winds and turbulent forces are spinning around you, you can't see these formations being created. And they're actually called Aeolians. And I believe, and many others believe, like me, our industry, computing, is in a state of transformation. There is a sandstorm happening in which our computers are slowly moving from our pockets and our hands to our heads. What I like to consider the third transformation of computing. I've never heard people describe technological change as a sandstorm, but that is a very apt description of what I do think is going on in society generally. Technology is unhinging us all in a million different ways. How is your business trying to re-anchor us in technology? So one thing that we're keen on is finding ways to make humans better at their jobs, as opposed to looking at technologies like AI and automation. We're looking at technologies like artificial intelligence in conjunction with AR to actually improve the way people perform their tasks, whether it's uh, putting together an object or performing a, a military operation. It's interesting to me that you're taking that path. That's something that I've often advocated for. The, the idea that technology must always substitute for human beings is a choice. It's not an inevitability uh, in any way. And so give me an example of how you're using augmented reality to help a human better perform. Right. So there's a fairly widely known case study now in which an airline manufacturer in the U.S. took two groups of 50 people, and they told them both to build an airplane wing. And one group was given traditional paper instructions with cartoon-style drawings, and the other group was given art artificial and augmented reality instructions that allowed this person to see the instructions in an augmented reality interface. And the group that actually used AR to create that airplane wing built the wing with a 90% lower error rate and 30% faster than the group that used traditional instructions. So when you think about anybody performing a task where there's life at, life is at, on the line, life or death situations, um, the ability to reduce that human error rate could effectively save lives. I've had a number of guests on the show over the last few weeks coming at it from different angles, technologist, architect, are two examples, a craft brewer is another one. The common theme is working with the hands, that people are actually more effective when they can reach out and, and touch something and experience it. Is that really at the core of what you're trying to do? So I believe that that is the core of this next wave of computing, is that the interactivity of the computer, the way that we interact with these devices, these interfaces, is getting easier and easier with every wave. So when we began with enterprise computers and large uh, IBM 320s and government and, and large facilities, these things were very clunky and hard to use. As we transitioned to home computing and PCs, they became easier and easier to use, more intuitive. 
And with the, with the second wave of computing, when we moved towards mobile with laptops and smartphones, it also became easier and easier to use and more intuitive. So I think that as these computing devices, and particularly what we're calling them as head-mounted displays, um, grow in popularity, you'll see many more people interacting with their hands as opposed to using clickers or voice. Uh, That's interesting. So do you think that the almost dystopian vision that some people have of society where we're, we're all ultimately walking around with, with visors or implants or contact lenses, you actually think that's going to happen? Um, I wouldn't take me for my opinion because I'm heavily invested in this space and would be perceived as biased. But if you look at Goldman Sachs's forecast for the augmented reality space and the smart glasses space, they're predicting that by 2025, it will overtake the television market. So we will spend more money as a hum human race buying smart glasses than we do on televisions. And if you can conceptualize that, I think it'll give you an idea of the profound potential. Well, for what it's worth, I believe that Goldman Sachs is, is correct. And the reason why I believe that is that we have had since, well, since the invention of the printing press, humanity has an inexorable, inexorable need to get the get closer to information, get close to people. And as the new modalities come out, they substitute for what's there. And the smartphone is only going to go so far. And I think you're absolutely right. So having said that, and with the inevitability of this, ultimately, it's going to come down to whether we use this technology to make ourselves better or whether we use this technology to trivialize ourselves. Right. You're down here in DC working with agencies now to try to make them more efficient. Give me some examples of how, as citizens, we're going to benefit from this technology coming into the fore. So I think in order to answer that, we have to look at some of the things and the missions that government currently has and how they're using three-dimensional imagery and, and spatial assessment to, to do their job. So when you look at the, for example, cancer and clinical researchers at the National Institutes of Health who are trying to cure diseases by looking at biomolecular data, 3D data, on a very, very nano scale on a computer screen, instead of uh, a 3D space or trying to print it out using 3D printing technology to really get an understanding of how this molecule works or how the bonds come together in a spatial sense, not just a, a two-dimensional sense, um, you start to realize it's not effective if you're doing it on a screen. You just aren't getting the same understanding as you would if you were walking around it. And I think this use case is, or that example and that problem of, of visualizing 3D in a 2D world uh, it's fairly ubiquitous across each agency. I mean, if you look at our regional intelligence offices who have to deal with conflict and crisis that may emerge or securing an event like the Super Bowl, being able to look in three dimensions and determine where the sentiment may be positive or negative, being able to determine where the troops are and where the military and law enforcement and security assets are is very, very valuable. And we do that currently, but it's in a two-dimensional world but we're replicating that three-dimensional world. And I think the key is to get out of the 2D when it's possible and when it's needed. It's interesting to me as you describe this, this sounds an awful lot to me like design thinking or empathy where you're thinking about what the customer wants. And describe for me, as you watch somebody use your technology, how do they appear to you? So augmented reality in particular, which distinctly differs from virtual reality because it is a clear pair of glasses, uh, augmented reality you can see through, um, is a shocking experience for every single person that I've ever demoed it to because it is literally what they've seen in science fiction for decades and they have doubted it and I have doubted it would ever become a reality. 
And when you're able to actually see a live hologram in front of you positioned as if it were really in the room, um, it is absolutely stunning. And the um, I think the distinct difference of virtual reality being um, not see-through, right? You're, they're, they're enclosing you from your world has a slightly negative consequence. And there have been many experiences where people have walked away from virtual reality, which again is a, essentially a box over your head that's displaying uh, content that lets you go somewhere else as opposed to bring something else into you. Those virtual reality experiences have had a higher rate of uh, nausea, of eye strain, and of, of mixed feelings in terms of the value, whereas um, augmented reality has presented an entirely different response. It sounds like the difference between being part of the world around you or being alienated from it. It really is. I mean, it, it, that's a perfect description. Michael McCormick, CEO of Aeolian VR, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Jonathan, thank you. And that was another episode of What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman, and my producer, Tracy Madigan, we both remind you that what matters is how you think we're doing. So don't forget to direct message us at, at What's Working DC if you've got a story idea. And do tell your friends to subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. And you know what? If you can take the time to rate our show, it'll help spread the word that this show is hitting an important chord for the entrepreneurial business community here in what you and I agree is one of the most interesting places to be an entrepreneur in the entire world. So we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>